Welcome back to Pool Talk, the podcast where we talk about the value of swimming pools in the UK and just how important it is to get people swimming. Episodes are released every Tuesday on Spotify and on Google Podcasts. If you want to get in touch, please send us an email to pooltalkuk at outlook.com or find us on Facebook. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this next episode from Pool Talk. We have heard several of our guests talking about a variety of swimming, spa, and hydrotherapy pools, the new chemical parameters that are necessary to keep people safe when they're using them. But today we have the opportunity to delve into the, into the construction of a pool. Is it just a hole in the floor full of water? Well, far from it. And different types of pools may need to have different construction methods. Rebecca Witt, our guest speaker today, is Managing Director of Blue Pools Limited, and they specialize in the design and construction of very high specification domestic pools. Apart from being a palm trainer herself, Rebecca has earned a growing reputation in the, in the design of pools that can be used for commercial use, swim schools, aquatherapists, etc., etc. So it's my great privilege to welcome Rebecca to today's podcast, not as my co-presenter, as most of you have heard of her, but as a guest in her own right. I'm sure that Rebecca's experience is going to be of great interest to all those who are involved in, in the design, specification, construction, and installation of smaller pools that can then be used for commercial purposes. Rebecca, lovely to talk to you. How are you today? I'm good. How are you, Mike? Good. I'm very well, thanks. Is there a big market for pools to be built now in the UK? Well, there is definitely at the moment. A lot of, uh, since the pandemic hit, a lot of people have now turned to DIY in their house. So the perfect place to start is in their back garden. And the best thing to put in the back garden is a swimming pool. So I hope you're not, not going to advise them just to go down to the local garden centre and buy one. And, and no. Pop it up in there. <laughs> no, no, okay. no, no, no. <laughs> okay, so if somebody comes to you and says, I fancy a pool in my back garden, or maybe the higher end, I fancy building a, an indoor pool that I can use all year round. Why do people want to build a pool in the first place? Well, there are many reasons to build a pool. Um, fitness and mental well-being and hydrotherapy, relaxation, and just to be able to play. For me, the big, the number one reason is to get people swimming and to teach adults and children how to swim because it's a skill that I'm still shocked now when some people come to me and they say, well, I can't swim, I'm, I'm gobsmacked because it is the single most important skill up there with reading and writing that will reduce the risk of people drowning, which is, you know, the worst things that can happen near any body of water. So actually getting people swimming and teaching them to swim is one of the most important things of, you know, why, why should you build a pool in the first place? Okay, so... If I had a nice big house with a nice big patch of land outside and I'm in part of the country where the weather's maybe not too good, I don't fancy the idea of just having a, an outdoor pool. I'm going to go indoor. And I came to you, where, would, where do we start from? How do we start the whole process of building a pool in the UK? Good question. There's, there's different ways. Um, the traditional way that... The, the way we do it in the UK is that you, you would hire an architect to draw out exactly what you want, whether it's a commercial pool or a private pool, you know, back the ideas back and forward until you're happy with it. Um, and generally, the pool at this stage is just a rectangle on a piece of paper, it, either in the garden or attached to the house or in, 
incorporated into the house in the basement, for example. Or that's, that's the first thing. Are, are there architects out there who specialise in, in pool design? Not so much. I mean, there, there are a lot of really good architects out there who really know what they're talking about when, when they design pools because they, not that they specialise in it, but the, the type of client that they have will build a pool as part of the house. And so they're often called to do it. But I don't think there's any architects that specifically specialise in, you know, how to, how to build a pool, basically. Okay. So, okay, so we now got a, uh, a drawing on a piece of paper, uh, which represents a, a big hole in the floor full of water. Mm. Okay, where do we go from there? Well, at this point, um, you, can't, you can't always build from an architect's drawing, so you'd need to get a structural engineer in to um, do the drawings to make sure the whole thing will, is, you know, will stand the test of time and won't fall down. At some point in this area, you would go for planning if you need it. And then once you've got planning permission, you've got these drawings, then you go... Uh, to tender and you get people to give you bids on basically how you're going to construct it and who you're going to use to construct it whether you, you know builders and ground workers etc so the conventional way that people build pools is that you've got all of these different people who are involved in in the pool and you at the center of that have the client who may or may not have a project manager involved who's used to getting all these people to talk to each other and get all of the okay. information together. Okay, so as the, as the owner of the house and the pool, I'm beginning to get a bit worried now because um, all I want is a pool that I can, I can swim and I can teach my children to swim. Now, I've got yourself as a designer. I've got an architect. I've got a structural engineer. I've got a builder. Uh, how do I make sure that, that my views are being protected? Well, I mean, that's part of the reason why how... Um, how we at Blue Pools, um, my comp comes in because we will work with the client and make sure that it's the client's needs that are met. Now, I haven't actually met a client yet who wants something that's completely fictitious and cannot be built, but often where my expertise comes in is saying to the client, well, it's great that you want that, but actually that's gonna cost a lot of money. How about you do it this way? And trying to make sure that what the client wants is actually what he gets at the end of the day. This conventional way of building pools where you've got, um, you've got strip footings all the way around the building itself. And then a pool contractor will come in and do the pool separately. So there are a lot of pool contractor um, companies out there who actually only focus on the pool element. So if you're building a house and you have all these different people involved, you will also have a pool contractor who comes in and they will deal with the pool. That's all they'll do. So you've got a lot of different people involved in one project. And if you don't have someone at the, at the helm of that, who's actually driving it and making sure it's all working as a cohesive whole, you end up at the end of the day, once it's built with sometimes problems that the maintenance contractor will end up dealing with because there's a wall where there shouldn't be a wall or, there, or there's complications around the way it's been designed purely because there's so many people involved. And at the end of the day, the maintenance contractor, who's the one who's got to use it, or the client, who's the one who's got to look after it, depending on whether it's commercial or private, has to deal with those problems that can't be fixed because they're construction elements. So it does seem that pretty good communication is pretty important here. Eh? Yeah, and that's where I think a company like mine comes in where we don't we're not a pool contractor we're pool designers so 
we like to think of it as integrating the pool, the pool hall, and the pool plant room all under one design. So you've got, I mean, often architects draw it and then I'm not trying to bash architects because I think they do a fantastic job and they're really good at designing houses, but because this is a really specialist subject, you've got to have a lot of knowledge on how the whole thing works together as a whole to make it work. So where you have this conventional building with strip footings and then the pool inside, all of the pipework, all of the ducting is buried in dirt underneath very expensive paving stones. So if you've got a leak or you've got any issues or anything like that, then you, you can't do anything about it unless you dig up the whole of the pool floor, which is very costly. So the way we like to do it is to make it integrate it, integrate it all together so that you've got um, one full, one 200 millimeter slab underneath the whole lot and you've got walls coming off that for the basement that holds the building above it. But then on the inside of that, you've got the pool walls. And so you've created a space between the pool wall and the basement wall, which means that in the future, any, any leak or anything like that, you can get at the back of the pool wall and see what's going on, what's, if there's any water anywhere, etc. Uh, okay. So I think we're talking about two different things now, because you started off by talking about the traditional way and the conventional way, and now we're talking about a different approach altogether. And that is now we're talking about building in access to, yeah. to, to the mechanical features. To be honest, that seems a bit like a no-brainer. Surely all pools are built that gives provides access to pipework and underground fittings, etc.? Not always. And again, it comes back to the, the fact that we're used to, in the UK, building a building with normal strip footings. And so if the architect is drawn 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 the pool out etc and they've gone to tender they've got the planning permission and they've started building it once you start building it it's very difficult to change things without repercussions and without problems and issues and architects are they have a, a massive amount of structural knowledge so they know how things are built but because they're not because the pool is such a specialist part of it and is a very bespoke piece of equipment regardless of how um, you know the equipment that you use every pool is the same but every pool is completely different and so they have different issues they have different ground conditions there's different the client may use the pool in a completely different way say to, to whoever um, else might be building a pool so hmm. they tend to draw the rectangle and then let the builder etc deal with the, the detail client. so as I said, um, I want my new pool to be enclosed. I want to use it all year round. I want it be, to be used so I can be nice and warm, not just in the water, but when I get out as well. So my pool is going to be an indoor pool. Is the same method used when, if, if I change my mind, I wanted to build my pool outdoors? They're completely different kettles of fish. In my mind, you can't compare them. An outdoor pool is an apple and an indoor pool is an orange. They're completely different because if you've got an outdoor pool, for one, you don't need planning permission because it's considered um, it's not considered a building or anything. So you can put an outdoor pool in your garden. If you want an outdoor pool you, in the UK, you'll be talking about six months of swimming a year. Depending on the type of cover you put on it, you can extend that. Whereas an indoor pool, you can use it all year round. They're very different because... One that an indoor pool is a lot more expensive because you've got the building above it. 
you have to have environmental control. So an air handling unit that looks after the temperature of the air and the humidity of the air in the pool hall. And that's to A, make it eat ni much nicer to swim in and much more comfortable for someone to walk around in their bathing costume, but also to protect the building above it. You don't have any of that in an outdoor pool. So would, 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 would the finishes of an indoor pool be any different to an outdoor pool? Like, you know, exactly what is the pool itself finished with? Would, would, would they be the same? Are you talking about the, the inside of the pool? So whether you have a liner or a top? Yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about the inside of the pool first. Well, it really depends um, on the client at the end of the day, because a lot of people have this view of a liner pool where you've got the kind of 70s kidney shape with the scum line around the edge. That's mm. when you say liner pool, a lot of people say, oh, no, I don't want a liner pool, I want a tile pool. And, and, and for our podcasters, what's the difference between a liner pool and a tile pool? Good question. So a tiled pool is when you have either mosaic tiles or bigger tiles applied to the surface of the pool. The main difference between a tiled pool and a liner pool is that with a tiled pool, you've got um, the concrete. On top of that, you've got a render and you've got um, the adhesive and the tiles. And it's those layers that create the waterproofing to the pool walls. It's not just you don't just put in waterproof concrete and it's waterproof. It's all of these things that work together to make the pool complete a watertight structure, which means that the walls themselves have to be completely solid. They have a lot more reinforcement in them. They are a lot stronger. And it's a fact of life that every tile pool leaks to a certain extent. It's, it's virtually impossible to make sure that they are 100% watertight. Um, can you make it 100% watertight with a liner? Yes, you can. So the difference is basically that you're putting in a um, fairly rigid box, but if the, the concrete walls move a little bit, they crack a little bit, it's not the end of the world with a liner because you're basically putting a bag in uh, into a structure and then filling it with water. So the liner itself is what keeps it completely waterproof. And... If you have any issues, in, in, if you have any issues, i.e., say a dog gets in the pool and rips it trying to get out, you can get patches to just put straight over those. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna let dogs into my pool. <laughs> but they fall in sometimes. <laughs> so okay, let's go back to our indoor and outdoor pool. Is there any finish which which you would say would, you know, apart from the cost, apart from the cost, is there any finish which would fit better in an indoor pool and a different one in an outdoor pool? For instance. You know, would a liner be better in an outdoor pool and tiles in an indoor pool? Would one last longer than the other? Without a doubt, a liner pool will last a lot longer than a tiled pool, especially indoors, because if you've got a liner pool indoors, it can the, the liner should last as long as the building lasts. With tiles, eventually you will have to dig the tiles out, dig the grouting out and retile it. That costs a lot especially compared to if you do have a problem with the liner and you do need to repair it or replace it, you just, you're just replacing the liner. You're not replacing the actual structure. I've, I've seen a lot of small pools with liners in them. And after a number of years, they tend to fade. The color fades off. What's the cause of that? Is, is that just poor fitting or poor quality or, or is there something going on in the pool? Uh, it can be poor quality. If they're really old, then um, it can be just that they're old. The main reason is in an outdoor pool, you've got the sunlight 
straight on the liner and that tends to discolor it but also um it makes it brittle Um, and also and the other thing is um the water itself the water um if you're clean if you've got a skimmer pool where the water is lower than the um coping stone where the water sits against the liner it can give a a scum line that people clean all the time and so that that makes the liner fade as well okay right that's the pool sorted Let's talk about the overall construction. Yeah, is there any overall construction type that, that's better than others? No, I think they all have their place. So um, there are different ones. You've got um, concrete wall with tiles on it or concrete wall with a liner applied. If you want something that's going to last a very long time, say if it's, especially if it's an indoor pool, then you'll want concrete walls with either tiles or liner applied, depending on your preference. If you've got uh, an outdoor pool with little to no access to where, where you want to put it, say it's a, a guard in a garden and there's no access to the garden for diggers or anything like that, then a ceramic or fiberglass shell pool can be craned over a garden wall or over the house itself. Not that I would want to do that over my house, but you, you know, that's one way of getting a pool in without um, demolishing the garage. That is the way that a lot of domestic hot tubs are put in gardens, craning yeah. over those. Crane them in over the garden wall. Yeah, over the top of the house as well sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Not with the water in. <laughs> okay. Now, obviously, we talked about uh, concrete structures, tile, liners, etc. What about stainless steel structures? Because stainless steel, by definition, offers a lot of flexibility in the, the, in, in the structure itself. Do you find there's many domestic or smaller commercial pools that are constructed from stainless steel? Uh, no, I wouldn't say there's many of them. I think it's a niche and they, they look fantastic. The aesthetic of a stainless steel pool is absolutely amazing. But whether they offer anything extra over concrete wall with a, with a um, liner or tile applied, etc., um, I don't think they offer much more than mm. the fact that they are stunning pools. Okay. So... Rebecca, if we go back now to to my concerns about being overrun by experts in, in my house where I want to put a pool, uh, we've got yourselves as the designer, we've got architects, we've got structural engineers, builders, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Where where does the designer fit into not just into the building of my pool, but into the leisure industry as a whole? We're at the beginning of the chain. We get involved when it's just a drawing on a piece of paper. So. I need to think about, A, how to construct it, how to make sure that the the pool and the building above it isn't going to fall down and is going to stand the test of time. But I also think about the maintenance contractor and how to make his life easier. And and by maintenance, I also mean um, being able to repair something if it goes wrong, something as simple as making sure the door to the plant room is big enough to get filters in and out, for example, and there's this constant fight i think for space um everyone wants the pool to be as big as possible that means that the plant room has to grow with the size of pool that that you want and often it's this it's a constant battle between having the pool as big as possible and having the plant room as small as possible i would love to see the plant room the same size as the pool but that never happens Mm. Through a lot of our podcasts, Rebecca, we've been talking about standards and recommendations and industry lead bodies. For a domestic pool, does it need to follow the same 
technical standards that, say, a commercial pool follows? It definitely should stand up to the same standards of health and safety because, you know, even if it's a pool in your garden, it still needs to be safe. It's, you still need to make sure that it's got, you've got the correct measures in place to make sure that no one can drown in it and that no one's going to get ill from swimming in the water. Now, domestic pools aren't governed by the Health and Safety at Work Act, but every pool contractor, pool designer, anyone who's building a pool for a client has a duty of care to make sure that that facility is safe for use. Okay, so now I've got my pool and I'm enjoying using my pool now. I can now see there's the opportunity for me, for maybe to get a little bit of return on my investment because down the road from where I live, I've been approached by a swim teacher who wants to, wants to hire the pool off me so she can provide or he can provide swimming lessons to the local kids. Am I allowed to do that? I love this question. I get asked it all the time because obviously if you're putting a pool in the garden, then you know, the best thing to do is teach people how to swim. However, however, the difference between a commercial pool and a private pool in your house is the amount of people that get in it. So your pool in your house will have you swimming in it and your your bather load will be probably very low compared to the local municipal pool, for example. So if the pool is designed to be able to turn over the water and have the right dosing rates for your pool but without having the capacity to ramp that up for a class of children who are going to get in your pool, then no, it's not, it's not going to be safe. If you build the pool in your garden or in your house and your intention is to have the local swimming teacher come and teach kids in it, then it becomes a commercial pool and you need to make sure that your turnover rate is right and your dosing rate is right. And at the end of the day, because it's commercial, you're governed by the standards in the UK for commercial pools, which is PW tag and government guidelines and HSG 179. So it means I've got to be pretty careful then if I sort of want to make a, a, just a little bit of money back on my investment by having a commercial um, operation, even if it's only for a couple of hours a week. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I get, I'm, I get asked maybe once or twice a year and some of our clients have that in mind when they build it and so you know I have to say well it's a commercial pool then we need to put in different equipment to make sure that it's going to be completely safe for use by a swim school okay so if I if if I then still want to go down that route and say yeah okay um I need to comply with all of this but I still want this local swim school to come and use it Should I be looking for some sort of training or support or information? I I don't need to go on the same training course that, say, a public pool will go on. All I want in my pool are two things. I want it to be warm and and blue. And as long as it's warm and blue, I'm going to be, be quite happy. But once I start letting people in, I need to know a little bit more. Should there be something that I could or somebody that I could contact that will be able to provide, say, a day support and, and actually put me through all, all that's required? Uh, yes. Um, I think we, there's, there's two different things there because if you've, got, um, if you've got a pool in your garden or in your house and you're letting the local swim teacher use it, then you need to do a, a proper pool plant course that you have, um, you have a pool that's completely safe for them to use. Now, 
on the other side of that, if you have if you have a, a domestic pool and it's just you using it and you want to look after it, it's an expensive piece of kit that you've put into your house. You want to make sure that it's well looked after. Yes, there are courses that you can go on, training courses where it's one day and someone comes in and it teaches you exactly what all the pieces of equipment do, how to use them, why they're there, what is what are you looking for and what to do when things go wrong. And obviously, if I ask you to come in for a day and put me through all that and get a nice um, little badge at the end of it, that little badge is going to give my swim school a little bit of confidence in the pool being good for them to use, not just blue and warm, but all the other things that go That's with it. Safe as well, yeah, agreed completely. We would love to hear from you. So if you have a question about today's episode, then please contact us on our Facebook page or via email pooltalkuk at outlook.com. Pool Talk is released every Tuesday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Thanks for listening.